parable that we're going to read beginning in verse 11 of the prodigal son. But the reality is that even if you are not the prodigal who has wandered away from church and uh, you have you know, spent time with the riotous living, as, as we'll see, uh, there are times, even sitting right here in the church pew, even being faithful to God, that we may fit the description of this son. That we may feel very far away from home, very far away from our Father. And if that's even you today, I just want to encourage you that God is here for you and that God, He is present and He is waiting and He has not forsaken you, that God loves you. And uh, we're just going to, let's, let's dive into this. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, but beginning in verse 11, Jesus says, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He journeyed into a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and it began to be in want. And then he went, and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, love that. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's servants, or my father's hired servants, have bread enough and to spare, and yet I perish with hunger? I will arise, and I'll go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so make me like one of your hired servants. So he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And he had compassion on him, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Put sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, and he is found. And they began to be merry. Amen. I just want to preach here from this perspective here today, far from home, yet just a turn away. Far from home, yet just a turn away. If you want to just lay your Bibles down, lift up your hands just one more time. I just want to invite the presence of the Lord in this place, and especially in my heart, and he would help us here today. Lord, we thank you God, for your word. Lord, I pray that you would just let it rest on us. God, that you would allow it to move, God, into the very depths of who we are. Lord, that we might be changed by it. And I pray that you would just allow me to be your mouthpiece here this morning. Lord, that we could uh, hear the word of God clearly. God, that we could see it with no, uh, uh, with no blockades, nothing, Lord, that would uh, cause us, Lord, to, uh, to, to leave this place the same, God. But I want to leave it different and changed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated here today. As I said, this is a familiar passage or familiar story that we have from the scripture and Jesus telling this, uh, this parable, this story. And very likely, um, it seems as though this story was one that was, uh, one that was told in one way or another in their society of fathers or a father and his sons. 
This story was not necessarily a one that Jesus is telling for the first time, at least from the beginning. It was often that this type of story would have been shared and told as a warning to children. Uh, this one child that may have wanted to go off and to leave their house and uh, and to go and to take the father's inheritance. This was typically a story that was told in their day and age that would speak of the um, speak of the pride of that young son and the haughtiness of his heart and the fact that what he was doing was a disgrace to his to his family. And this story is the way that Jesus begins it would have been familiar to its hearers. They, they understood the context of what Jesus was saying. This father, uh, this father who obviously was well to do. He, he had possessions. He had belongings. And, and out of this, he had at least two sons. And uh, it was the custom of that day that when the father would pass, and uh, his his possessions, they would be passed down from one generation to the next. And for them, the the, the possessions, they would be, according to the Jewish custom, uh, they would have been passed on to uh, fairly evenly to all of the sons of the family. The exception is that the oldest son would have received a double portion. So if the father would have had six sons, he would have split his inheritance seven ways, and the oldest child would have received two portions of his inheritance. Here we see these two sons that are present in this story, and Jesus telling this of the younger son, saying to his father, I know that you're not dead. I know that you have not passed yet, and it's not my time to receive my inheritance, but I just think that it would be best for both you and for me, that I would receive it now, and I could go about my life, and I could do with my inheritance what I would. In the prime of my life, I just want to go and to spend that inheritance, or I want to go and live off of that. And as I said, this story, this idea of a son wanting to do this, it was told in that day as a warning to children. Because this is an insult to the family. It's saying to them, there was in fact an even a, a, a phrase, a title uh, that, that they would say um, in that day that this was burying your parents before they were dead. He was saying basically to his father, I wish that you would just drop dead. I can't wait any longer. I want your money now so that I can go and do with it whatever I want. So the Pharisees of that day, the Pharisees who Jesus was talking to in this parable, they knew the Ten Commandments. They knew that they would never be heard to complain about their parents. They knew the commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. And in fact, that was even a, even a, uh, a, a thing that if you did it, it came with promise, this commandment. If you held to it, there was a promise attached to it that you would have long life that uh, by dishonoring their father by the son dishonoring his father he, he was bringing shame he was doing something that uh, he ought not to have done 
The reality is, so many of us, even today, we, uh, we do things that are selfish. We will follow after our own inclinations and our own desires and our own things that, at times that, that even though we know it is not something that we probably ought to, ought to put all of our focus and attention to, we get selfish at times. We have times where it's all about me, where my life is, is all about me. And I, I want to make sure that, that I'm taken care of. God, it's good that, that we have blessings that are waiting and that are in store for me down the road. But how about now? God, what about now? And, and there's things that we will do and there's, there's things that, that we will, uh, decisions that we will make that are not based on the Heavenly Father in His love for us and His uh, ability to care for us and make sure that we have everything that we need. But we will at times go and follow after or desire the things that we ought not truly be chasing after. There's times even that we would chase after things that the Father, our Father, our Heavenly Father, He is broken hearted because we begin to chase after them. There are things that, that we do, perhaps even in secret, that they break our Father's heart. The reality is we know the rebellion of our own hearts. And, and in, in doing so, we, we would rebel against the Father. And you can still be right here, present in this place, and still be far from home. You don't have to have walked away from a church service in order to be far from home. You don't have to be very far away from the Father to still be far from home. If you have rejected Him or if you have, uh, have lived or are making decisions that, uh, that are not pleasing to Him, you are far from home. In your heart, you know that. In your heart, you know the, 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 the pain or the, the, the little bit of guilt, not, not just little, but the, the guilt that's, that is there and it's, it sits and you come into service and you feel heavy hearted. You come in wondering what, you know, what am I even doing here? Why, why did I even step foot into the church today? Because here I am and I feel so far away. Even when I do try to pray, it feels as if my father is far away and you can be Right here, right in in part of the body of Christ. And still feel as if there's a long distance between you and your father. And Jesus is trying to tell us something here with this parable. Something about this son who would travel away and he would become a prodigal. He would go and he would waste his substance with riotous living. We don't know exactly what he did. Scripture doesn't tell us the details of everything. The later on, the brother, the older brother does accuse him of being with harlots. Don't know exactly what it was. Perhaps he had a biased opinion of his brother. But we do know that it says that he had riotous living and that he would go. And that we see that this boy, he shows us really the futility of living a life of shallowness. He was only alive to be entertained. He was desperate to be the center of attention and 
to be the one who was making sure that he had people around him. But the reality is that those around him were only there to, to benefit from his, from his wealth and from what he had of that day. Because we see as soon as, as soon as he didn't have anything left, all of his friends left him. I believe in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, this is one of the reasons that you know, God allows us uh, to see through the eyes of somebody who has everything and realizes that in reality, it's nothing. Solomon, one of the richest men men to ever live on the face of earth, he records for us what it's like to have everything and yet to have nothing. To have everything that you could ever imagine. And yet, he has within him a longing in his heart to be satisfied. That all the things that he thought would satisfy him, they do not bring him satisfaction. That all the things that he thought would bring him pleasure, they did not bring him the pleasure that was lasting. We we read about this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. It's uh, beginning in verse 1. He says, I said in my heart, I said in my heart, this is, this is his decision entirely. This is an act of his own will. He, he had nobody else really to blame for the folly that he would, that he would go into. He says, I said in my heart, this is a decision that I made. Go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. I'm going to prove thee with uh, with with drinking and 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 the the, the just the, the partying and and I'm gonna just 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 prove prove to you that that is the way to have a satisfactory life. I'm gonna prove to you that if I chase after all of my pleasures, that I'm going to find happiness. He says, I, "This was this was my thought process that." That if I could just go and just have a little bit of fun. You know, you only live once. You only live once. So so let's go and let's live it up. And so he's saying, I was trying to prove that with my life. But behold, I realized that this also is vanity. This is vanity. That surely this was just a, uh, this is not the way to actually satisfy that longing in my heart to be whole, to be complete. He continues on. He says, I said of laughter, madness in a mirth. What does it accomplish? I realized that after going out and just living up my life, that after going and just, just spending all the things that I had and just go chasing after all the things that this world had to offer, that really it has just temporary value. It doesn't have much value that will last at all. And so I said, in my, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom. How do they hold on folly until I might see that was that what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their life? Here I was, I'm clearly mixed up in my priorities. And, and it's sad, it's sad that today we see people everywhere that you look that are trying to satisfy their desires. 
They're trying to satisfy something in them by chasing after uh, something that could fill the void. And they're chasing after drugs. They're chasing after alcohol. They're chasing after relationships. They're chasing, a- chasing after uh, fame through, through social media or just, just getting affirmation in that way. They're, they're chasing after this, filling this void inside of them through all kinds of things. But when, and at the end of the day, you'll realize that Solomon is writing here that all of this does not satisfy. Not, none of this chasing after all of these things is really satisfying the, the desire of my heart. He, he continues on. He says, until I might see that was, or let's go to verse four. Uh, I, I made my works great. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. Go on, how many people chase after the things that they'll go to work and they're, they're working their tail off. They're, they're doing everything in order to get money because they think that is finally going to satisfy me. They're chasing after uh, things just to, just to impress the neighbor and to keep up with the Joneses and to, and to make everybody else say, hey, they've got it all together. They've got their life together. I want to be them. I want to be like that person over there. I want to be like the one whose lawn is all manicured. I want to be like the one who, in fact, they're not even out there doing their lawn. They got somebody else doing it. They've got, you know, the the great, nice vehicle. They have everything that I would desire to have. And you want to be the one that everybody's talking about. You want to be the one. But in reality, how many people have we seen get to that place in life and then they still say, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. I, I don't know what it is, but here I am. I have everything that I ever thought would satisfy me. And yet, I feel depleted. I feel empty. I feel like I've just... I'm just missing the mark somewhere. I was told that the American dream was where it was at, but it's not where it's at. I was told that if I could just, just have everything, uh, that, that, that capitalism, it would answer all of my problems. The reality is, money is not the answer to your problems. He continues on, verse 6, he says, I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired Male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered for myself silver and gold, the special treasures of kings, the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, the musical instruments of all kinds. Well, we can stop there for a minute. He's saying... I was chasing after all this stuff. I realized that, that, that everything that I could buy, it wasn't going to satisfy me. And so then I switched to entertainment. I decided, oh, if I could just be entertained, if I could just have all the singers, if I could just have all these, these people that would entertain me the rest of my days, then, then, you know, it's, it's fun to be entertained. It's, it can, it can bring you out of all the troubles for a time. And even in today's culture, or especially in today's culture, how, how much have we leaned into entertainment to soothe our, our worries? How much have we leaned into entertainment to, to make us feel as though that everything is going to be alright? We have entertained ourselves to death. 
We have entertained ourselves to a place where we oftentimes miss out on a word from God and we miss out from Him truly being able to come in and to soothe us in the, in the depths of our heart in the place where only He can reach. Solomon, he said, I had all these possessions. I had every kind of entertainment. So here I was. I was great. I was increased more than all of they that were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom remained with me. He was greater than Saul. He was greater than David. He was greater than, uh, than all of the kings before him. He was, he was the most wise man ever on earth is what the Bible tells us. But in his own life, he said, even with all of my wisdom, here I am. I am forsaking all of that and I'm chasing after things that are not bringing me pleasure, not bringing me uh, this, this place of being whole in God. He said, whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced. My heart rejoiced in, the, uh, in all of my labor and this was my reward from all of my labor. My reward was feeling empty. My reward at the conclusion of his book, basically Solomon wraps it all up. He says, I had all of the money. I, I could afford to use it on wine. I could afford to use it on women. I could afford to use it on entertainment. I could afford uh, to, to, to build the biggest vineyards, the largest houses. I could even afford just to go after any sin that I wanted to. But it never brought me satisfaction. You can't afford godly satisfaction. You cannot afford that. There's nothing. It doesn't matter how much money you have. The only place that you can get that is by surrendering yourself to God. And and just just saying, God, I'm not trying to buy it from you. All I want is to turn away from all these other things that I think will satisfy me. And just allow you to have access to my life. God, I want you to be the one that would fill me up. God, I want you, the one that from my very youth, God, you knew me by my, by my name, God, and you've always been with me. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. God is the only one that can satisfy you. So getting back to the son, this prodigal who went he spent all and it says that he arose and all of a sudden there came a mighty famine in the land and the bible famine it's it is always this sign of judgment that is coming and so god he he's coming here and there's he's displeased with a person or, or a land that's, that's come against him. And here he is. There's, there does come a time where judgment will come in. And here he is. He's, he's lost everything. Famines in the land. He feels the distance between him and his father. He realizes just how far away he is. In that place of emptiness. In this place where he says, man, I've chased after everything. I've tried to fill the void. And yet, I had everything I needed when I was in my father's house. He realizes, I had everything I needed when I was there. But I can't go back there. And so it says that he went and he, and he goes and he finds a farmer. This farmer and... and, and <laughs> Here we, we've, we've seen, obviously, this is not a good Jewish boy. This is not you know, somebody who is, who is right. But, but now it's, it's really emphasized with the fact that he would be living amongst the pigs. 
This is the, the lowest of lows that a Jewish, young, young Jewish man could get is that he would be there and that he would be living right amongst the pigs that, that that day, this, this was the, the, the animal they wouldn't touch, they wouldn't do anything with them. And so here, here he is, though he finding himself feeding the pigs and he says he doesn't have any food. Nobody is there for him to provide any food. And so the only thing that he can see that because he's so hungry that, that might be edible is the same food that he's giving to the pigs. I don't know if you've ever been there. But there's times when you can feel really far away from God. And here you are. Stubbornly. Feeling as though God. I can figure this out. God, I, I know I can figure this out. There's, there's times when, when you're feeling that that distance between you and your father and you know that the one thing that you need to do is to repent but here you are and you're saying i'm going to figure this out this is where the son is at at this moment he's i'm going to figure out a way out of this i'm I'm here and and i know i may be at a low point in my life but i have too much pride in me to to go to back to my father i have too much pride in me to to i gotta pick myself up he he's not going to be accept me like this He's not going to accept me in, in this, this dirty state that I am. I've wasted everything. There's no way that he would accept me. So I've got to figure out a way. Well, there's somebody here today who right now you're in the midst of trying to figure out a way to clean yourself up so that God could accept you back. You're trying to clean yourself up and, and just get a little bit of, of, you know, a little bit of respect back in your life so that God could accept you. But I want you to know that God doesn't want you to clean yourself up. God's not waiting for you to pick yourself up and to get into a place where he can accept you. He wants to accept you right where you are. He's waiting for you right where you're at. And God is waiting and the father is waiting there all this time. The son, it says that he went to a far country. He was far away from home. Here he is living amongst the pigs. But there came a day where it says that he came to himself. He came to himself. He realized, I have to do something that is actually going to help me get back to a place of belonging with my father. I've got to do something. And the only thing that I know to do is just to get back to my father's presence. The only thing that I can do is to just maybe, maybe see if he would accept me back as a servant. And he begins to rehearse in his mind. um, Perhaps, perhaps my father... Perhaps he would accept me back as a servant. I don't know if that's, if you've ever been in that place. I remember times when I was, when I was growing up and we, that, you know, at a young age, we would drive a long ways to church. We, we would go, we lived, uh, lived close to here and we'd drive over to, to South Bend about an hour drive. And I remember sometimes, We'd get in the car and it wasn't long that, that, uh, I would say something and I would get in trouble. And I knew that there was a consequence waiting when I got home. And all that ride home, that hour long ride home, I'm rehearsing in my mind my plan 
for what I'm going to do when I get home. What am I going to say to my father? What am I going to say to him? Maybe he will have mercy on me if I can just explain why I said what I said or why I hit my brother the way that I hit my brother. And you rehearse in your mind. And this is what the son is doing here. He's rehearsing in his mind. When I get back in my father's presence. I could tell him this. And I could tell him that. And I could explain to him. You know why I no longer have the possessions. And why. Maybe I could even go back as far as to, to explain to him. Why it was that I thought that I needed my possessions at that time. And, and maybe, maybe if I can, can say this and that. That maybe he might accept me back as a servant. I'm telling you, there's, there's so many of us who we get stuck in that very place, rehearsing to God in our minds the things that we would say to him that perhaps he would accept us back when all that God wants is a little bit of action on our part. He doesn't want the rehearsal that's going on in your mind. He doesn't want just these words going on, just just going through your mind of maybe if I do this or maybe if I do that. But what God is waiting for is that one little turn. That one little turn that you make. And as soon as the son made a turn toward his father, he made one little turn and it was, it may not have been a physical turn, although there was a, a turn in direction in that sense, but it was a turn in his heart. A turn in his heart to say that I know one thing for sure, and that's that my father has the answers. I know one thing for certain, and that's that my father is the place that I can finally feel the warmth and the love. And I know that I'm going to be safe. Even if it's just him accepting me back as a servant, I know that if I just come back to my father, that that's the place that I can be safe. There was something that turned inside of his heart. He says he came to himself. And in coming to himself, he realized, he realized that there is only one answer. It's not, it's not in getting a, enough money through, through feeding the pigs. It's not through maybe making, making back some of this money so that he could prove to his father that, that he's, he's, uh, he didn't lose everything. No, the only thing that he can do is to humbly come back to his father in whatever state he was. And to present himself there and say, Father, I've got nothing. I don't have anything to offer you. But I do know that you care for your servants. And he has a change in his heart. He has something in his heart. And I, and I want you to know that if you're in this place today, and if you're in this place today, that there is, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame that, is, that we can carry with us. There's a lot of guilt that we can carry with us because of our mistakes. And, and we, we, we're here and we can't deal with the damage that it's caused. You've convinced yourself that you are damaged goods. Well, and there's somebody here today who you're convinced that you are damaged goods this morning. You're convinced that, that you have made too many mistakes for God to really accept you back. You, you're, you're convinced that you have made too many mistakes and you've failed too, too abysmally. So, so here you are and you, you, you're carrying the shame with you. And here he is. He had to fight past that guilt and fight past the shame. 
Yet, yet he had to fight past that to make a turn in his life to begin to come to God with humility and to fight through the shame, to fight through the guilt, and just say to his father, I need you. I need you. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12, 24, that Jesus speaks better things. That Jesus speaks better things. See, the mistakes of your life may speak to you and say that you are doomed. Mistakes of your life, yesterday's shortcomings, all of that may tell you that it's a life sentence. But I want you to know today that Jesus speaks better things. I want you to look at how Jesus spoke to this one particular woman in John chapter 8. It tells us that Jesus, he went to the Mount of Olives. And now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people that came to him. And they sat down and they taught him. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought to him a woman who was caught in adultery. Caught in the very act. They bring her to Jesus with all of her shame, with all of her guilt. She has no story that she can really tell to get out of this. She was caught in the very act. They, they, they brought her before Jesus. They sat her in, the, in his midst. And then they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But I want to know, what do you say? This, they said, they're testing him. They knew that they might have something with which to accuse him. But Jesus, he just stooped down and he wrote on the ground as though he did not hear them. Now, they continued asking him and they're saying to Jesus, what is it that should be done to this woman? And Jesus, I believe without even looking up, still just riding in the sand, Simply says, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. (laughs) Here he is, still just riding in the sand. And those who heard that being convicted by their conscience, it says, they went out one by one. Beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus, he was left alone. And the woman who was there, still standing in his midst, And Jesus raised himself up and he saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And we know that there was one present that could have cast a stone. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. There was one present that did not have sin. And yet he didn't pick up the stone. There was one present among them who was sinless, and yet he did not pick up a stone. Here she is, she says, no one, Lord, I don't have any accusers that are left. And so Jesus simply says to her, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. The people are crying, stoned her, but Jesus spoke better things. He said, I don't condemn you. I'm not going to cast stones at you, but now I want you to go from this day forward and sin no more. I want you to go from this day forward and just follow after God. 
I don't want you to turn back to your sin. I'm doing this to set you free. I'm doing this so that you don't have to be captured by the weight of your sin, by the shame that you have. Jesus, I want you to want you to know today that he is not coming here today to point out your faults and to point out your failures, but he came here today to cover them with his blood. He came here today to begin to speak better things into your life and over your life. There's, there's scars that you may be carrying today that are like an iceberg that follows you into church. That there may be just little tiny things that people see on the outside. But at the depth of it, all the things that are beneath the surface of all of that, you're carrying it in. And you feel as though your mistakes have mounted up so much that you've messed up so much. And you're a failure and you'll never do anything or be anything for God. But I want you to remember what he said. That your sin is never going to be big enough for him to cast a stone at you. Your sin is never going to be big enough for him to say that I will not forgive you. And that you cannot be forgiven. You can make it here today. Don't let your past hold you hostage. Don't let your past and the guilt and the shame, all of that keep you in your seat. Don't you allow that to keep you far away from home. What God is searching for today is just one turn. He's just searching for one turn. The turn that he's searching for is a turn that's internal. It's in the heart. When he came to himself. And he realized my only answer is in my father's house. The only answer is in my father's house. Here he is in verse 19 of Luke 15. says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is, maybe, this is how he felt, but he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So just make him one of your hired servants. And he arose. And he came to his father. But when he was still a long ways off, his father went running to him. It was just one little turn that the son made. And the father came running to him. The father came running. Now, I don't know how, what distance the son went, but, but really what Jesus is trying to get us to understand here is that you may just go just a little bit, but the father is ready to come as far as it takes to go to you as soon as you turn your heart towards him. As soon as you turn your heart towards him and you find a place in an altar of repentance, the father is going to come running back to you. And it says he had compassion on him. He hugged him. He fell on his neck. He kissed him. He says, I am so happy my son has returned home. I'm so happy. He may have been far away from home, but he is back. He is back. It tells us. That the father went and he told his servants. He didn't even let his son finish his rehearsed speech. He didn't even let him finish his speech about being one of the hired servants. Instead, he turned to his servants and he said, Go get the best robe. Go get the ring. Go get the fatted calf. Go. And I want you to put sandals on his feet. I need him to know that he is home. He is home. He is home. He was dead, but now he's alive. I had no idea where he was at, but he has made it home here today. One of our musicians could come. We're gonna, we're gonna come to a place. 
right now. I believe that God wants to bring somebody to that place where you realize that the Father is welcoming you back into His arms. You may be a great ways off here this morning. Maybe maybe the person sitting next to you, no matter how close they are to you, may not even realize in your heart, how the distance that is between you and your Father. There's a lot of us who we can, we can put on a facade, we can put on this outward appearance that makes it look like we have everything together, like everything's all right. And here you are yet today, and you're saying, God, where are you? God, why have I made this mistake over and over and over? God, why do I keep failing you? And you feel as though you're never going to mount up, that you're never going to be good enough. Father, he didn't accept him back as a servant. He didn't bring him back into the household and just say, get over there with all the rest of the servants, you low-down, good-for-nothing son who lost everything. He said, I want you to go get the ring. This is that signet ring, that that ring that symbolized the authority. The authority of the household. That you're, you're the one who, you haven't lost it. You're still part of the family. You're still part of the family that had, had the family crest on it, had the, had the, the all the authority of the, the one who was in charge to, to go and to make decisions, to make even financial decisions. And maybe you're today saying, I don't know what kind of financial decisions I'm, you know, God's wanting me to make or what kind of business he's wanting me to do on his behalf. Here's the business that he wants you to do. He wants you to go and to tell your testimony. It's by the word of our testimony that we see that we become overcomers. It's by the word of our testimony and the beginning to tell our story that we can see that God's love and God's mercy can shine forth. And God, He has sent us here to be ambassadors of Christ. He has sent you here to be an ambassador of Christ. God has sent you today to make a difference in this world. He has called you to make a difference. And he, you have some business to do on his behalf. And he has brought a ring to put on your finger here today that says, I know that you feel like a failure. I know you feel like you're carrying in shame here today. But you've got a story to tell of your restoration. You've got a story of restoration to tell and to share with that person who feels lost and feel like they are no good. Oh, you've got a story to tell. You've got a story to tell somebody about recovery. Maybe you're still walking your road of recovery right now, but you've got a story to tell about Jesus is right there with you. And Jesus has never left you nor forsaken you. And you may have made a mistake just yesterday, but God is still right there with you. And you've got a story to tell. You've got business that you can do on his behalf. God is right here with you today. And he wants to put that ring on your finger that's telling you that I am able to transact business on God's behalf. I'm able to do the things. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. I'm the city that's set upon a hill. I'm the one who is going. I, I, I don't. It's not that I have it all together. It's not that I have everything perfect in my life. But I am going to be a light for him. And I'm not going to sit down and have my head hung low and to feel the guilt and 
and the shame of my past and feel the guilt of everything that I've done. But no, I'm going to stand up and say, my God is great and greatly to be praised. And my God, He has brought me in as His son, not His servant. It says that He put the robe on. That robe is the robe that was that, that was signifying that that he st- he's the he's the special guest of the house or he's the one to be honored. I'm telling you, he wants to bring you in and he wants to lift you up today. He doesn't want you walking around with your head hung low. He wants you walking around and feel that God has brought you back home. He's brought you back home. He says, go get the sandals, put the shoes on his feet. That's because only the servants are the ones who walk around barefoot. Only the servants are the ones who don't have the shoes to wear. In their Hebrew culture, the sons wore the shoes while the servants, they didn't wear anything on their feet. And he's telling you, you're a, you are my son. You are not my servant. The shedding of blood, that was, he would go and he would kill that fatted calf. He's telling you, I'm bringing you back here today into fellowship with me. You're coming into fellowship with me today. Oh, could we stand all around this place here this morning? I know God's speaking to somebody here today. He's, he's encouraging somebody who you may have, you may feel far from home right now. You may have felt far from home when you walked into this place, but God is just looking for one little turn, a turn in your heart. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you make that turn, he's saying, I'm going to run to you. And he's going to run to you this morning. And all it takes is for you with a, with a humble heart, with all the humility that you can muster, to say, God, I'm messed up. God, my life is a mess. And I don't, I don't know how to fix it, but what I do know is that you have the answers. And if that's you today, if, if you have some area of your life where you could turn back over to God. If you have some area of your life, something, it may not be everything. It may not be everything in your life is all messed up. But you have something where you're saying, God, I need to get, I need to come to you in humility today. God, I, I need to make a turn today to you. This altar is open right now. This, this praise team is going to go into a song here in just a moment. But God is, is calling somebody today to respond. If somebody even wants to go, we have the baptismal waters ready. And I'm telling you, that's, there's nothing like that, that turn that could happen. A turn of the new birth where, the, where every sin can be washed away. If you want to be baptized here today, that's, we're ready for you. God could wash away every sin. You could have the, the complete, complete removal. Of all of that, all of your past. Oh, but this altar is open. If you want to respond today to the word, God is calling somebody today. Hallelujah, Chief. Have mercy of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been the good 